Well, welcome to Mill City Church, everybody. We're so glad that you were able to join us on this July 4th weekend. We hope that you're doing something fun to celebrate this weekend, but we're happy that you take the time to worship with us wherever you might be. Would you pray with me as we look at the scripture this morning? Jesus, we thank you that you're with us no matter where we are, and we thank you for how much you give to us and to the world that you love and that you continue to give us forgiveness, that you continue to give us grace, that you continue to give us guidance so that we know how to live this life that you have given to us. We're grateful, and we pray that you teach us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So sometimes dads look at life a little bit differently than kids do. In front of my house right now, the neighbor children have this pretty sweet jump that they got from the alley somewhere. And they've got it out in front of the house, and every day, kids from the neighborhood flock to this jump with their bikes and their scooters and their skateboards. And I'm not a kid anymore, but I can remember being 10 years old, and if I'd have seen a sweet jump like that, not one that we kind of half put together with some wood and bad nails, but a, a, a proper jump, I would be thinking the same thing that the neighborhood kids and my children are thinking, which is, how do I get my bike around the side of the sidewalk and go as fast as I can and see what happens when I launch myself off of this bike jump? That's what most of the kids seem to be thinking by watching their behavior outside of my house. Now, let me just let you in, kids, on a little bit of perspective from uh, the way a dad looks at the bike jump, okay? So when I look at the bike jump, what I see is, yes, adventure and fun, and I can remember being 10, kind of. But I also see bike crashes and Band-Aids and crying children and potential trips to the emergency room. Now, that's not nearly as fun, right? And sometimes parents seem to be limiting the fun of kids, but it's because they see the world differently. They are responsible for the health of these children, and we have to see what might happen, not just what would be fun, which kind of stinks. So maybe you should never grow up and take on that perspective. But that's the way the dads see bike jumps. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about having different lenses for looking at the world. And several times we've used this illustration of putting glasses on, those of you who wear glasses. I know that I see the world differently, especially through my right eye. When I put my glasses on, I can see a lot more clearly than when I don't have my glasses on. And the metaphor is meant to help us understand what is it like to look at our lives through the lens of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and the coming of God's kingdom. So we've been having these conversations about how do we intentionally put on gospel lenses to try to see the world the way that God sees the world. And so today we're gonna to continue that discussion by talking about how Jesus gives from his heart as he lives out the gospel. We're gonna be talking about 2 Corinthians. Let me give you a little bit of background. Ashish gave you some of this background last week, so go back and watch his sermon or watch the Bible Project video on 2 Corinthians for some more background. But the short summary is that Paul, the author of the letter to the church in Corinth, is in conflict with these people. There's lots of tension. 
They're not happy with him. In fact, they've called him out and said, who really are you? You're like a poor guy that seems like poorly educated, and you keep calling us out in these letters, and we've decided we don't really know if you have authority to tell us much of anything, and we'd like you to tell us why we should listen to you. So a good chunk of the letter is Paul sort of arguing, here's why you should listen to me and why I have authority in your life. He goes so far as to tell them that he forgives them for questioning his authority and wants to have genuine relationship with them. He warns them about Christian leaders who are more about self-promotion than they are about promoting Jesus. And he warns them about people who seem to be collecting money more for themselves than for the good of the people who really are in need in the world around them. So in this little slice of this book that I'm going to read to you, Paul's trying to encourage the Corinthians to give, to give to a fund that he is collecting for poor Jewish Christians in Jerusalem who are struggling because there's a famine and they don't have enough food. So Paul's going around to the different churches that he helped start and say, please give a gift in light of what Jesus has done for you to help these poor uh, Jewish Christians in Jerusalem so they can have enough to eat. And he's pretty bold in the way that he asks for these gifts. So let me read uh, just a small slice of that for you from chapter 8 in 2 Corinthians. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let me pause there. So Paul says, look, I'm not forcing you to do this, but I want you to compare your willingness to give to some of the other churches that I have worked with and that you have heard about. And as he's trying to motivate these folks to participate in giving to this fund, he gives us a snapshot of the gospel that I want to focus in on. He says that Jesus, although Jesus was rich, rich in power, rich in God's presence, rich in authority over everything that's been created, even though Jesus had everything, Jesus gave it all up and became poor so that others might experience the riches of God's love for them. This is a really important pattern that I want you to learn today. We've been talking about wearing gospel lenses, and I want to talk about this gospel pattern that God invites us to live into in order to experience the transformation that God wants in our lives and to change the world. There is a particular way that Jesus wants to change the world, and I want to highlight it for you today. It looks like this. Jesus had everything. Jesus gave up everything and became poor so that other people might receive the riches of God's love in their life. Another way to describe this pattern, more generally speaking, a gospel pattern is what I'm calling it, is to, to look at these three movements, okay? That God invites us to receive and recognize the blessing that God has given us in our life. And that could look like a lot of different kinds of blessings, relationships, finances, um, influence, opportunities, various forms of privilege, things that have been given to us by God, our own identity as children of God. We receive and recognize our blessing from God. Second movement is that God invites us to empty ourselves out the same way that Jesus did. 
Okay, give to others out of what you have received, whatever it is that you have received. And by giving to others, you're showing God's love to them, right? And then there's this third movement where the world is transformed by this pattern and that we ourselves are transformed because we start to become more like Jesus the more we live into this gospel pattern. This is what the Bible teaches us God is like. Of all the ways that God could be, of all the identities that God could have, the God of the universe is a God who gives up what God has and gives it to humanity so that we can become who God created us to be and so that the world can become what God intended it to be. Paul's writing to the Corinthians in part to ask them to live out this pattern to live out the beliefs that, that they say they have in Jesus Christ, to give of their money in order to help these Jerusalem Christians who are experiencing poverty due to this famine. So then he goes on to talk more about what is it like to be willing to give? What is it like to have the desire to give? So let me read verses 10, 11, and 12 in the same chapter, chapter 8 for you. He says, here's my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to whatever one has, not according to what one does not have. This is such an essential part of this teaching and living out this gospel pattern that Paul's trying to highlight for them. He's saying, I know that you're willing to do this. I know that it's in your heart to give. So now I'm asking you to follow through and give. Have you ever had the desire to do something good, to give to someone else? You thought it, you felt it, you wanted to do it, but then you didn't do it. You didn't follow through on it. That's the situation that Paul's addressing right now. He's like, I know that it's in your heart to give, but I'm encouraging you. I'm not commanding you, but I'm encouraging you to follow through and actually give the gift that's in your heart to give. He says it's this willingness, a person's willingness to give that makes the gift acceptable from God's perspective, not the amount of the gift. Your willingness to give generously out of what you have to assist those in need is what God wants for you. God wants you to be a person who willingly gives whatever they have in order to love and serve those around you, maybe those around you who don't have enough. The more we experience God's love and God's forgiveness and God's generosity for us, the more we become people who want to give whatever we have generously to other people. We don't have to give. We want to give. This is one of the reasons at Mill City Church we say all the time that generosity is something that God wants for us, not from us. God's not worried about the budget the way some of us are worried about our budgets. God's not trying to get your money from you so you have less money. God's inviting you to live out this gospel pattern that will transform your life and also transform the world. So in some ways, Paul is teaching the Corinthians that what they do with their money is an indicator of what's really spiritually going on in their hearts. 
your bank account, it's like one of those dashboard lights on a car. Your bank account tells you what's really happening spiritually in your heart. It's not about the amount of money that you have or the amount of money that you give. Paul says it's about your willingness that makes the gift acceptable to God. Do you want to give? Do you want to live out this gospel pattern? If so, then do it, and your life will be changed, and so will the world. When we think about living out this gospel pattern, I just want to give you a couple of examples that that I think right now could be particularly helpful. Remember, the pattern is receive God's blessing in your life or recognize that you've already received it. Empty yourself out. Give out of something that or give to those who, who have a need that you've come across. And then be transformed. Experience the transformation that comes from giving generously and seeing how the world is transformed by that generosity. And so here's a few examples of how that pattern might be lived out. For some of us, we've been talking about this in the last number of, of months as we've discussed racial justice. We've got to learn to recognize some of the privilege that we have in our lives. And privilege takes a lot of different forms, and it requires some learning to figure out what privilege you might have based on your own situation in life. I want to encourage you not to be scared of the word privilege or not to feel shamed by the word privilege. The real important thing right now is to just learn what it is and learn what forms of privilege you might have in your life. And then figure out, according to this gospel pattern, how do you give away or leverage the privilege that you have in order to benefit other people? The goal of acknowledging one's privilege is not just to feel bad that you have privilege. The goal of acknowledging one's privilege is to figure out how to use it because God has given it to you in order to be generous and live generously towards others and to create opportunities for others who might not otherwise have those opportunities. And when you do that with your privilege, you experience God yourself. You become more like Jesus. Did anyone have more privilege than Jesus? Jesus gave up every privilege he had in order to become one of us, to be obedient to death on a cross in order to save everybody. Let's follow that same pattern and give away and leverage our privilege to create space for other people, to create opportunities for others. And by doing that, the world will be changed according to the gospel pattern. Another example, we recognize the blessing of God's forgiveness in our lives. We recognize that Jesus radically forgives us for whatever we've done wrong, even though we don't deserve it, just because he wants to and he loves us. And so let's empty ourselves out by freely forgiving other people around us who have wronged us or have done wrong in society. Let's not immediately judge everyone around us, but let's come into conversations and relationships with a heart of forgiveness the same way that Jesus has forgiven us. And if we do that, we will experience God's healing ourselves, and we will experience the healing of the world that God is offering to all of us. Final example. We recognize that many of us have received God's financial blessing in our lives in all kinds of different ways. You might not think that God has blessed you financially, but when you learn about the the conditions across the world and the wealth that exists in the United States of America, you realize you're blessed. Recognizing God's financial blessing and asking God, how can we give out of our financial resources to be a blessing to other people? 
This is the identity of the church. And in the current moment, we need the church and, the, and Christians to step up and be a blessing in the moment where there's great need all around us. When we do that, we experience the joy of giving and see the transformation that that kind of generosity creates in the world. In general, uh, here's something I think is true about this gospel pattern, which takes shape in all kinds of different ways. When Christians live out this gospel pattern in their lives, people come to know who God really is. When Christians live out this gospel pattern I'm describing to you this morning, in their lives, people come to know who Jesus really is. When people have a big disconnect between what they think about Jesus or what they've heard about Jesus and the church, it's almost always because there's a gap between who Jesus is and how the church is living out the gospel pattern that I'm describing to you this morning. When we live out this kind of radical generosity where we're willing to give whatever God has given to us generously to whoever needs it, then we're changed, then we're like Jesus and the world becomes more like the world that God created it to be. There have been so many stories recently of people generously giving, giving their time to help businesses recover that were impacted by the riots after George Floyd's killing, people who have given generously to churches who are struggling to make it in light of all the impact of COVID-19, people who have given just to their neighbors who they know have needs and can't get around or get out of their house in order to stay safe during the pandemic. So many stories that you know of that I know you can see this gospel pattern. Here's my encouragement to you this morning. Look for the pattern in your everyday life. Look for a story, an experience, a relationship you have where you can see someone clearly has recognized that God's blessed them, that God's forgiven them, that God's given them something. And then they've turned around and they've blessed somebody else with it. They've given it out. They've emptied themselves out. And they've been changed and the world's been changed. Might be a small story, might be a big story. We would love to hear those stories from you this week if you're willing to share them with us. Choosing to put on a gospel lens when you look at this life means learning to live into this pattern that Paul was teaching the Corinthians. When we become aware of God's blessing in our lives, Jesus invites us to live generously towards other people out of what we have so that people may come to know who Jesus Christ truly is, so that people may come to know how much God loves them and how much God wants to have relationship with them. We ultimately want God to get credit for whatever it is that we do in the world because we know whatever we've given has come from God in the first place. We desperately need this gospel pattern to be lived out right now. We always need it to be lived out, but we really need it to be lived out in the current moment. So please pay attention this week to an invitation from the Holy Spirit to acknowledge something that you've received from God, to give that out to someone else who might need it around you, and then to be changed by that gospel pattern in your own life. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that no matter um, of all the choices that you had, you chose to give yourself up, to give your life up. You did not have to come down here and become one of us. You did not have to give up your life to those who wanted to harm you and to kill you. 
You didn't have to try to save any of us. But you became poor so that we might become rich in knowing how much God loves us through your death and resurrection on the cross. So send us out this week. Help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear the opportunities that are in front of us to recognize our own blessing and to be a blessing to others and so be transformed and transform the world. We pray that you would get glory, that people would know how amazing you are by the way that we live generously in our everyday life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.